it's time for the image doctors photography podcast i'm jason odell and i'm rick walker and it's good to be back with all of you out there in our listener land um thanks for joining us today we've got some announcements we have an interesting little discussion to talk about today um one thing also we want to thank our uh, patron supporters who submitted images for our friendly feedback segment which will be a bonus video coming up this weekend so you'll want to check out on that if you're if you're a subscriber on our um, image doctors um, photography page imagedoctorsphoto.com you can sign up to be a supporter and then you get access to our bonus videos blog that kind of stuff and opportunity to get some friendly feedback from rick and myself on our images uh, on your images so that'll be we'll be going through those later um this weekend um but we've got some new stuff that got announced uh recently this week so we just want to run down a bunch of announcements yeah, be before we do that let's just give them an idea about what we'll talk about later as the principal topic oh sure this is one that you came up with that i thought it was a clever idea um it's kind of divided into two part things you think you need but probably don't and things you don't think you need but probably would enjoy so these are features capabilities variety of things so oh, i think it'll be an interesting we, discussion we call it do you really need that feature you might be surprised <laughs> you never know and need right. is a, str a strong word there so yes. that's it, there there's going to be a lot of philosophical uh, uh gray areas here i right. think for sure right. but anyway yeah let's let's see what we've got on the announcement side of the house um one one thing we forgot to mention you know there was all that firmware stuff going on there's been some announcements about firmware uh, nikon did release a z8 firmware uh update a few weeks ago for yeah, which nice one. added things like pixel shift shooting to the z8 which i don't even i didn't even look up how many megapixels that gets you but it's got to be absurd <laughs> you know because <laughs> you know uh, so pixel shift you know is when it takes multiple pictures it uses the ibis system to move the sensor slightly between frames and you get this high resolution composite as a result and it can be cool sometimes it also added the bird af uh the dedicated bird ai based subject detection mode which from my clients uh in in uh, the field actually said it made a huge improvement in their keeper rate um, good so i had one client actually upgrade his z9 he hadn't updated the firmware so he was starting the workshop using the generic animal detection which included birds and other animals mm -hmm. and then halfway through he upgraded the firmware to the bird detection one and he just said at least to him it seemed way way better so yeah nice feature and then one that i was complaining about quite a bit the other <laughs> well, podcast. you're not alone i mean no, just, i know i'm know. not alone was what um omd solutions omds whatever Olymp um, uh, yeah om digital om original om1 and and essentially saying they were going to abandon in any firmware improvements to it after less than two years on the market and and you know with a replacement mark ii coming out at any rate there was a tremendous backlash of hate <laughs> toward that company and um amazingly just last few days they announced oh they will be coming out with stuff but not until the fall essentially the the items in the firmware that aren't um 
based off of upgraded hardware and things like that, which they're a nice set. They could have done more, frankly, I am quite sure. But at any rate, it's reasonable. And I'm glad to see that they did that. I feel better about them as a company at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely um, a little bit, um, uh, you know, sort of post hoc almost feels like a little bit of damage control. Oh, but, God, uh, it was such a bad rollout. I can't but, even believe it. But but yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's tough. And I'm sure the Mark II's can be a very nice camera. While this was going on and there was that backlash, he also had a bunch of OM system owners saying that people should never expect any updates whatever whatsoever, even to functions that don't work. And it was just bizarre. But at the same well, time, you had all of their competitors pushing out firmware releases with significant functional increases like the Nikon one right. or making statements about what's to come. Like Fuji came out with one talking about applying some of their newer features, newer mm -hmm. film emulations like the Riala one, which is a nice one um, to some of their newer cameras, et cetera. So it was just an ugly situation. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And then, and this is why I don't want to go on the internet because it's just like you get the, <laughs> You get the apologists that are awful, oh then you gosh. get the other, you know, and there's a, there's an in-between. I think there is a good philosophical discussion that we've talked about last, last time or recently, um, you know, about whether, you know, what is the obligation for firmware updates, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a gray area. Um, I, I think bug fixes have to happen. And I think the statement, I think the way this got handled um, was clumsy. Um, to, to come out with a new model and then say, oh, and by the way, we have no plans to update anything on the previous model. It's now a dead end. The way it came across was really bad. So the, the message now was, okay, we're going to give you some of these features. But keep in mind, the new camera is still better. And that's fine. Sure. It's okay. I mean, it is going to be better because you get better had, hardware. Had they know? made this announcement at the same time they rolled out the new camera. It would have been vastly different. Yeah, nobody but would have. One thing I do want to say is I would not use the term obligation. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is. It's smart marketing right. and customer relations. And companies that can't figure that out will die. And it demonstrates commitment to your user base. Mm -hmm. That's an important thing. Yeah. So, anyway, firmware, brouhaha. Interesting, uh, but that, you know, let's settle a little. The, the, let's quickly go through our list of some of the new stuff that got announced this week that that was actually hardware um so uh one new thing that that looks um, potentially quite compelling uh is fuji's new uh x100 now up to mark six the x100 six vi roman numerals uh, $1,600. This is their little kind of range finder camera. And I know you have an earlier version of this one. Yeah, the X100V. I've owned the whole, almost the whole series okay. over time. Um, it's been out for a long time. And and what makes this one, so this is an APS-C fixed lens. It's a 23 millimeter. So you get a 35 millimeter F2 equivalent. Um, that's quite nice for just walkabout street photography because this camera will fit in your pocket, right? If it's a big pocket, like a coat pocket, you can you can pull it off. They do make accessory lenses that will attach to the front. Mm -hmm. They screw on. They're actually very sharp. 
they don't change the range a whole lot. You know, they'll mm-hmm. take it down to 28 or up to 50. They're awfully bulky, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, it's this is a neat camera series. Yeah. Um, and this one added uh, IBIS for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big thing is that they've now put in their 40 megapixel APS-C sensor. Right. So that's a huge pixel density. So that's. that's and that's uh, a way of making up for a little bit of a shorter focal length, too. You know, oh, just do you need cropping. that feature? Let's think about that. It might be something we talk well, about in here, the next segment. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, I'm just saying that I'm teasing our next segment. Oh, I know. I know. And <laughs> I have two differing thoughts on that. And I'll, then I'll shut up on the, this camera. I'm not planning to get this one. I'm satisfied with my current one, mm-hmm. um, which is just 26 megapixels. I think the cropping thing is a valid argument because it can make up the difference in some cases, but I just know that the way I use that kind of camera and I've had one for Mm -hmm. more than 10 years in that series, I'm, I'm fine with the 35 millimeter equivalent focal length works great. I love shooting with it. It's a blast. And that's what I'm saying. If you like, I don't really need IBIS with that either. Wouldn't be bad. If you like that kind of shooting and you want a small, Mm -hmm unobtrusive street camera that you could take on a trip or something where you're not worrying about a lot of range it's it's compelling it only weighs about a pound i think so it's not a heavy thing and it's, it's a blast to shoot with and so, it has some unique viewfinder combination mm-hmm. things yeah. where it can overlay uh evf stuff on the optical viewfinder it's kind of wild anyway um a few other things too uh sony 24 to 50 f2.8 yeah g lens so that's an interesting range very compact but fast um it'll run about eleven hundred dollars um now that one you know we were talking about street shooting now you have you know imagine that lens on a smaller body and now you have something like that little slop in your street shooting i need a little wider i need a little longer and you now have a zoom lens that'll do that the way i my glass half full view of this lens is, you know, I just talked about how much I love the 35 millimeter focal length when doing that kind of shooting. It's just effortless. This is kind of like a variable focal length, 35 millimeter. Take it out a little bit wider, take it in a little bit narrower. And it's pretty compact. And it's fast. The, the, the glass half empty side of me says, I think I'd rather have it the 20 to 70 F4 and get a little bit more range at the expense mm-hmm. of aperture. And that's still a very small, uh, lightweight lens, about the same size. If you're going to go with the zoom, why not get more mm-hmm. reach? I mean, I understand Yeah, that. but it's, you know, it's one I'd, I'd almost have to try. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then what else did we get? Uh, well, Sigma dropped a couple, two lenses, a 500 F5.6. And this is in Sigma mount, Sony the Leica L mount slash Panasonic. So that's a full frame lens and it's their sport, which is their weather seal. This is their, you know, it'll be a good lens. Oh, no question. Now it's going to cost you about three grand. 29.99 is what I'm seeing it listed at. Um, but that should be quite sharp. I'm, I'm guessing. And it weighs about three pounds. So for a 500 prime, that's pretty light. Um, the only other one comparable would be something like when we've used in the past the Nikon's EF lens, 
which was also very light, but that was an F mount design. And it's great still lens, very though. great lens, very sharp. So this one is, is going to be a native lens for, for those mirrorless systems. Um, and they also announced a 15 millimeter 1.4 fisheye, which, okay, that's a chunk. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know, that, that's a lot of size and weight for something that's, that's a very specialized lens. And it also costs, uh, just under $2,000. So it's probably yeah. not, um, also in those same mounts. So it's mirrorless native, uh, for those mounts. Again, the Sigma, Sony, and uh, Leica Panasonic L mount. Um, that's what you can get that in. Um, and then lastly, this was just the other day, the Venus Optics Laua 10 millimeter F2.8 rectilinear full frame mirrorless lens. That's awfully wide. That's crazy wide, right? Could um, be fun. It's an F2.8. I mean, if it's any good in the corners, it might be an interesting astro lens, but it's wide as all heck. Um, I don't think it's that great in the corners from some early things I saw, but you know that could be wrong. I think it's about eight hundred dollars. Um, but the interesting thing here is it's available in autofocus for the Sony mount, which has been around for a long time, but also the Z Nikon Z mount. Mm -hmm. So we're not sure if there's a relationship between Nikon and Venus Laua. I don't think so. Quite probably reverse engineered so we'll see but uh it is autofocus although for a 10 millimeter lens my goodness just use focus peaking and be done <laughs> you know because once you're at f4 i think everything's in focus <laughs> you know your hypofocal distance will be crazy all right so yeah a lot long list of stuff that that popped up this week some and interesting so, lenses in there too so let's move on yeah it'll be very you know it's you know these are good times right these are good times to, yeah. to mess with stuff so let's move on to our feature of the day which we could call do you really need that feature or like you were saying things that you think you need but might not things that you think you don't need but might really enjoy and it's just kind of a casual back and forth There's, this is not a hard list we just we just spitballed a few ideas, you know, a little brainstorming session this week to come up with this. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we should start with the things that you think you really need, but probably don't. And let's define need. You know, need is different. There's difference between need and want. And we both mm -hmm. like features. That doesn't mean we need them to get by in our photography. Right. You know, so it's like, so these are, these are things that are nice, but not necessarily critical, depending on how you shoot and what you shoot. So, mm -hmm. so I want to start with one and go, we'll just, um, it's, it's a little bit out of order in the way I typed up my list, but let's talk about megapixels. Okay. Be because that was, you know, we just talked about the new Fujifilm X100 S mm -hmm. of six which is bumps you up to 40 from 26. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you really need more than 24 megapixels in a camera? Because I find that once I'm at 24 megapixels or in mm -hmm. that range, I'm pretty good territory most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, I can print fairly large, which I'm rarely doing anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I can even 
get very good results upscaling them sometimes with software tools. Um, so you could argue that 24 megapixels is a is a pretty good resolution sweet spot in fact you get some advantages of it is that you know as you go into larger sensors you tend to get better noise performance you know that kind of stuff so do you really need more than 24 megapixels well <clears throat> i'll do we'll do point counterpoint <laughs> right i, I won't, just, I won't call you it, an ignorant it, slut it's but... a question though it's not a <laughs> no no it is it is a question so here's, here's my take on it. Um, and like our listeners know, and you know, I use stuff between 20 and 102. <laughs> right. I use all of them. So the answer obviously is, yeah, it can be fine. It depends on what you're doing. Um, you know, first off, if you're just doing straight shooting, you're not cropping or doing some other things that I'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, 24 works great. You can make big prints that look good, no problem. And it's they tend to be, um, those file sizes tend to be quick to process in most computers. Mm -hmm. They don't get bogged down. I notice, notice a tremendous difference between 50 and 102 Oh God, I bet. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I can just, only imagine. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right, so if you don't want to buy a new computer. Or a little computer, even the, even the pretty fast one. Um, gets bogged down with that so straight shooting and printing and everything it's it's good and and if if in all honesty what you do with your photos is put them on social media gosh you don't even need 24 sure. but let me throw out a few things to think about for why you might want more one let's just say you do a little bit of a crop on your image for aesthetic reasons and you do something where you go down to 80% of the dimension you had before, vertical and horizontal. Just bring it in a little bit. 80% mm -hmm. is not a lot. You're, you're, you're talking about a 20% reduction, not, yeah. Yeah, in the linear measurements. Right. Right, right. That takes you down to just 64% of your megapixels. Right. So that can be a pretty good drop. Think about a 20 megapixel camera with just that minor crop you're down around 12 or something like that. Not God awful, but you're going to feel it in a bigger print, especially one that has a lot of detail in it. So that's just aesthetic cropping to handle edges. Right. You know, We're not talking it can about be extreme nice to, cropping. I like to crop or frame a little bit loosely for several reasons. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it easier to do that if you have a few more megapixels. What if you're going to do perspective correction you know, you're doing architectural photography. If you take out much of a tilt in a building, you lose a lot of resolution quickly. Sure. That's where it's nice to have a bit more to start mm -hmm. from. Um, the other thing is sometimes I've done things with higher megapixel cameras where I went from what I thought would be best as a horizontal composition mm -hmm. to a vertical one. And if you, again, if you have more megapixels, it's super easy to do that. And you still end up with plenty of pixels to print or whatever. So Rick, the thing I like is it gives you flexibility. It does. But Rick, mm -hmm. 
you're supposed to be a smart photographer and you should know to shoot the vertical composition on a camera. I don't I'm just always kidding. know things. I know. I do the same thing. What I what I will say I will freely admit that I changed my th- mind. Th- this is a highly subjective thing. And yeah. I think if you can put 20 to 24 megapixels on your subject, you're in a good place. Mm-hmm. And depending on the format of your camera, that is not always easy. Right. So the larger the format the more focal length you need, which means bigger, heavier, and importantly, more expensive glass. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you don't have access to that. So I think sure. if you're shooting, personally for me, if you're shooting in a 35 millimeter format, I'd rather have the extra pixels because you can't always bring out mm-hmm. a 600 millimeter lens. You right. know, you're going to be cropping a lot more, especially if you like, photographing wildlife and things like that because mm-hmm. it's just not practical to drop fifteen thousand dollars on a 600 millimeter f4 lens with a teleconverter mm-hmm. you know it's just not yep. on the other hand i can do a lot of things with the smaller formats like micro four thirds where you where you get the reach automatically where you know something like a 100 you know that 40 to 150 zoom all of a sudden i'm getting the framing like it's 300 not identical but i'm putting those pixels on the subject more easily with lenses that aren't as big or heavy or as expensive so i think it just depends so that that was kind of i think it depends on what your passion is and yeah thing i would absolutely agree with is if what you really love is photography with longer focal lengths wildlife birds etc um the smaller formats with maybe not as many megapixels actually work quite well. Mm-hmm. When you get down to the somewhat shorter focal lengths for a variety of reasons, that's where I like the bigger formats and more megapixels. That's sure. just the way it works for me. Right. No. So this this was this was a loaded question. It's this that's is a not good a, one, a need a need thing though. Yeah. Um, what about fourteen bit or even sixteen bit capture? Do you need that? Um, sixteen? I don't think so. I, I do have one camera that supports 16. That's my medium format one. And it's, I know that numerically, you know, quantitatively, there's a little bit of improvement, but it's tiny. But Rick, like it goes to 16. Of an that's, I know. That's one louder. Yeah. So <laughs> 14 with that camera is plenty. Um, 14 is plenty with most cameras. 12 is okay with a lot of them. The smaller the format, higher noise the less you want 14 um, bits for a straight single frame capture. Mm-hmm. Just because all you'll do is just have a lot of noise captured, yeah. you know, in detail. Right. And I'm so, looking at, and I only brought this up because, you know, a limitation, quote unquote, italicized, quotated, uh, mm-hmm. of the uh, four thirds cameras is that at least the OM1s are, they're just 12 bit. Um, mm-hmm. They are adding a 14-bit thing for that pixel shift, high res, you know, which which you can use, and that that's fine. But you know, looking at my files, pulling up shadows, doing stuff, I didn't suddenly find myself, God, this is just not as good as what I was getting out before, you know. So the the files are still good. Doesn't mean they wouldn't be improved mm-hmm. uh, with a 14-bit option. But like you said, it does increase file size. It does, you know. So there's there's some well, pros and cons. But you yeah, just want 16, to make sure those extra bits aren't yeah, just, just giving you more information about noise. That's the right, thing. 
Right. And so that's, 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 that's sometimes the case. I, I think it's nice, but I don't think anybody, you know, quote unquote, no. needs it necessarily. Um, here's another one. You know, a lot of people love to talk about this camera shoots 25, 30, 50 frames a second. Do you need that? Ugh, no, not me. You know, the <laughs> well, I almost never one. need it either. So let yeah. me let me let me say something else. Um, the OM1 has a 25 frames per second, actually faster shooting mm -hmm. mode. Um, I don't like that speed. It is too many damn frames. <laughs> <laughs> okay it is impossible and when i tried it out on the z9 too right you can shoot that kind of speed 20 frames a second and when you're up there at those frame rates first thing that happens is that first of all you can't control the shutter you'll never get fewer than three frames in a burst. i mean you just can't mm -hmm. it's going to be a burst when you press the shutter release um as you go a little bit slower than that into 12 to 15 frames a second now all of a sudden you can you can shoot those in burst but you can also fire off single shots if you practice a little bit and that's not not terrible now the other thing you see is you'll come back with these crazy bursts and you have so many frames to look through that you can drive yourself nuts especially if you don't have a good workflow like if you have to let lightroom render previews on every file oh my gosh you could be waiting for a really long time or if you're using manufacturer software that frankly they all have just horrible workflow yeah so that their products that I, I i don't like um there there was something that that i and the other thing too is i did a uh, a thought exercise i actually went did a literature search on wing beat frequencies on birds you know, the idea of the faster frame rates means you're more likely to capture different angles of bird wings or the peak of action, you know, something that happens. Um, that is a valid thing, but realistically, you can do that with 15 to 20 frames per second with most birds. There's a few like ducks that flap their rings really fast, um, but I haven't run into to issues with it. But here's one thing I did find, though. It wasn't 25 frames per second shooting that I wanted. But when you put a camera like the OM-1 into that particular frame a drive mode, mm -hmm. it, it offered a blackout-free shooting, which was glorious to use. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I, I would put that into our next category. I didn't think it would matter to have you know, that blackout-free shooting thing. But, oh, my gosh, it was just like watching video through the EVF and mm -hmm. you just press the, I mean, it's wonderful. And, you know, that's one reason why the Mark II, which allows you to drop down to, I think, 12 and a half frames a second in that mode, mm -hmm. is compelling for, for some wildlife and sports things. So, that's anyway. That's a good feature. It, it, it really is. So, one more thing on the things you, th you know, like we brainstormed. Do you really need those super fast lenses, like 1.8? 1.4 glass do you need those i don't know i i would say they serve a purpose but these days they tend to be overkill and some of it will depend of course on your format that you're shooting so i'm talking about on 35 millimeter format mm -mm. you know kinds of stuff um i find myself stopping down a lot anyway so it was yeah here here's what i would say because i've owned several 85 12s 51 twos i still have an 80 i mean a 51 two um 
you can produce some very beautiful casual portraits these are not the corporate headshot kind of portraits these are you know the little bit more casual quote lifestyle mm-hmm. fashion stuff whatever it, it can be a beautiful look it, it truly can the problem is that these are big lenses at the same time and what i always found it was kind of like with the tilt shift lens i could see the value i used them but i really didn't want to bring them along because they were just too big and heavy and too much of a niche kind of role right um so i think there's a, a my own opinion my own usage there is a use case there but i'm a lot more careful about investing in those things these days yeah it, it, it's there was a difference bec- because back once upon a time i had the nikon 50 1.4 mm-hmm. it was a little bit bigger than the 1.8 version but not big but not not huge. And part of the reason was you bought those, we've talked about this before, you bought those faster lenses because they would be better stopped down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So your your performance at F2.8 or F, you know, whatever was amazingly good. Whereas mm-hmm. wide open, it was a little bit soft and mm-hmm. you know, maybe didn't have as much contrast. The the lens designs today make an argument that, you know, even these slower lenses are sharp as heck. Uh, and with new AI sort of lens bokeh tools, you know, blur tools, it's not the same, but you can, you can take some of the edge off of what you might think would be. I was playing with some images yesterday where I did this and they were captured with a, the, um, the, uh, super wide, the eight to 25 millimeter F4 Olympus lens. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's equivalent of F8 in terms of apparent depth of field. And I just threw down a little lens blur and my goodness, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. I think for slight changes in, in the blur amount, those software tools are great. Um, it was funny. I saw someone post something online again, should never look on the internet, (laughs) But they were just talking about how wonderful the new Lightroom feature is, you know, for adding blur in the background Mm. and how they don't really need a fast lens. And so they showed a whole series of shots of of people and they were terrible looking. Yeah, they It it looked like bad composites. It looked weird. Yeah, you got to be careful with those tools. Yeah, you got to be careful with those tools. But I have found they can work. So you can save your money on a especially if these lenses get really big and heavy, because if you're not going to carry them with you, what's the point? Right. That, you know, so that's exactly it. That's the thinking. On the other hand, if you're making your living doing studio portraits and you like these cat or, you know, window light stuff, then they're wedding photography too. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that we're saying don't get them. It's just, you might think Think about it. it. Okay. So we're we're burning through our (laughs) allocated time rather than push this to the next episode. Um, Things you think you really don't need, but you probably would enjoy. What's the first one? What, let's you start us off on this one, Rick. Uh, on your list, which I agree with, um, built-in GPS. Absolutely, it would be nice. I, I love having the coordinates in with the files. They've saved me several times figuring out locations that I was at years back that I wouldn't have remembered otherwise. Um, and if it's built-in, gosh, it's just so painless. I don't understand why that's not feature in more cameras. 
at one point there was an excuse about power, but I just have a hard time believing that given the very compact size of receivers these days. Yeah, if it can be in your phone, I'm just saying. And yeah. anyhow, yeah, that's a wonderful feature. When I've the Z9 has it, and it's it's just it's just great. And if you don't have it, of course, you can use your smartphone, but it's not mm-hmm. the same. Um, you know, it, it's okay. Or a separate little gizmo. You know, um, you know one one thing people don't necessarily think they need is subject detection autofocus. Oh, I'm fine with just the regular. I don't need that. I think you'd be surprised. <laughs> I was surprised when I first used it, you know, which was years ago now. And I've mentioned it multiple times. I used it up at Yellowstone. It was like, oh my God, this is, this is awesome. It is a liberating feature. It is. It it really is tremendous. So that's, that's one that, you know, hopefully manufacturers start getting with the program and putting it into all of their lineups. Some of them are doing that. Some of them, only well, for example, like we talked about the new Fuji X100 Six. Mm-hmm. You could debate whether you needed anything more than face and eye detection for people with that, but they put in the full subject detection. Why not? Exactly. Could, it just there's should no be reason sta- not to. No, it should just be a standard. It's their standard autofocus module and, and, now. Unless, of course, the processors couldn't handle it, then whatever. Yeah. Now, here's a for newer variant. cameras. They should. Now, here's a variant that nobody mm-hmm. seems to. And I talk to people, they don't quite get what I'm saying with this. This is crazy. But the idea that you can use continuous autofocus with tracking turned on. Not subject detection. No, this is just you have a dumb square in the viewfinder, but you put it on something. And the idea is that it tracks the subject. And I think a it lot tracks of, that pattern. It, it, it tracks whatever you stick it on. Right. Yeah. It, it, and and it some of the rock outcropping, it could be um, a window it, or a, a window. Pers- it, it could be anything. It is just yes, assuming generic. that there's enough uh, contrast and pattern in there for the camera to say, okay, I can glom onto this. We're good. It, it can work. And there are some cameras that have this as a built-in feature. Um, but, I've brought this up with people and they look at me like I've got a third eye or something like that. They go, well, why not just use subject detection? And I'm like, what? Like we're talking about what if it's a, what if it's not on the list of cameras subjects? Like what if it's an insect? What if let's even be simpler than that? Cause we both know how it can. So that's one useful just in normal shooting. Um, with cameras that do well at this, and this includes the newer Nikons, like the Z8 and the 9 and the ZF, um, the newer Canons are all good in this respect. Fujis are pretty good. The OM-1 is not. Hopefully, the Mark II will be better. Um, did I already say Sony? The so- Sony's no, are the great Sony's at are it. Good. Yeah. So here's what you can do. I can go out street shooting, and I don't ever have to do uh, make a move where I move the autofocus area around to where I want it to be. I don't have to use the old fashioned focus and recompose, which can have errors, mm-hmm. you know, especially in wider apertures and a variety of things. Yeah, they can move on you. I can, what I can do is point the, the little autofocus area in the middle at what I want in focus, hold down the AF on button or the shutter button, and then recompose 
it stays in focus the whole time. It's updating the focus because it's on continuous autofocus. Take the shot. Yeah. No, no need to use a joystick or anything like that. It's just so effortless. And I'm not a very good joystick guy. I, I know there's probably photographers out there who could follow their it's subjects okay. with the joystick and they get good at it. Um, and if you're going to use that method, then you probably want to use front front shutter AF, right? Because mm. then you have your thumb on the, the joystick and that can work. But this is so much easier and this it's is far wonderful. more elegant. Yeah. Right. It allows you to, it serves the purpose of basically giving you that full time uh, continuous autofocus as needed without the need to lock anything down or, 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 or you have to recompose the shot to keep the subject on your autofocus point. Instead, you can let the subject roam around your viewfinder. But like you said, even on static things, I put a mm-hmm. put it on a vase on a table in a town square in Croatia or something, and you know, and then just recompose your shot, and it stays perfectly in focus. It's wonderful. It, it really is. Okay, couple of little things that are just nice to have. Things. Um, what about full time electronic shutter? I like that a lot but not because of it being able to do 30 or more frames per second or even 20. I'm I'm actually generally fine with about 10. The reason I love it, no vibration, Mm -hmm. no noise. can be completely silent. So you can be in places where you wouldn't want to disturb a subject and take a shot. Plus, it's just damn pleasant. To, to feel zero vibration. I find myself being able to handhold at a little bit lower shutter speed because mm-hmm. of it. I love it. And with some of the newer stuff that's coming out, you get these ridiculously fast shutter speeds, oh. which, which can be useful um, for shooting outdoors and bright light at wide apertures. Right. Because, you know, the... The little like, Fuji X-T5 I have, I think goes up to 180,000 <laughs> of a crazy. second. <laughs> there is a, we've talked about it before. There's a reason for that right? Um, beyond what you just said, but I, anyway, I like the full-time electronic shutters. I think there's other things that we could spend the rest of the afternoon talking about, but I think we need to, um, we, I think we've run out of time uh, for, for this one, but if you've got some ideas, we'd like to hear from you. If there's things you, you think you, you know, if you found a feature that, that you really have enjoyed and it's, you know, one that people don't commonly think about, I just think that, you know, having used newer gear, these features that are very easy to dismiss when you, you know, when you're looking at it as, but my current camera is perfectly good. There's nothing, you're right. It is perfectly good. There's nothing wrong with it. But when you use some of these newer features, you suddenly realize just how wonderful they can be. All right. Well, That's thanks again. End it. Thanks again for listening and putting up with this. Uh, we're, we uh, will be back again next week. And until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.